0: this podcast was recorded remotely there are spoilers ahead for the tv show succession and due to the nature of that show and my dad's potty mouth adult language throughout check the podcast
1: description for time codes for spoiler free goodness
2: hello and welcome to tv dna succession season three episode eight kianti shear My name's Adam, and I say this with the most amount of love. I am here with sock puppet girl boss, Grace.
3: Hi, that's me.
2: Fucking slime badger, Neil. I'm so stressed, I'm jerking dust. And back to the podcast, no dates, ricotta dick, Damien.
0: Look, I need to talk to you. I need you to stop sending me the items.
2: Oh, definitely our best one yet. What an episode that was. I don't think we can do anything else but start with the ending. I could not believe what I was watching, and yet it was just so perfect.
1: What do we think that ending meant?
0: I think that ending meant that the dirty little pixie is unlikely to become king. I think Shiv may have overplayed her hand, but she definitely tried her hardest.
3: I think that ending means Kendall is dead.
2: Well, does it?
3: I mean, let's just say what it is. I do think that's Kendall. Very, very, very sadly. Tragically.
2: There was the bubbles coming out of the nose. He was drowning whilst lying on the lilo. He's passed out and is drowning in the pool.
1: Yes. I don't know. My thought on that is that, one, it would be a massive thing, obviously, if Kendall died, but we haven't had people find him dead. We've had him drowning he could be saved
2: still he could be do you think he will be
3: I don't know I've just got a really really bad feeling guys I just I don't want to be a Debbie Downer but I'm telling you I don't think I don't think I can't picture like Kendall in an ambulance at the start of the next episode I just can't picture it I could be wrong
0: I really hope I am wrong obviously it's interesting if he does that's another Roy based family wedding with someone drowning linked to Ken
2: very good link Damo I think I would feel quite cheated. The impact of those final moments of that episode, I think I would feel quite cheated if he survives.
1: I didn't believe that he died. I believed that he that a whole load of water entered his lungs. That's what I'm going to put out there. Whether I get brownie points or not, that's what I'm going to say. I don't think he's died.
3: I just want to say publicly for the record now, I don't want brownie points if Kendall dies. It's just not something that I would
0: like. I don't want to be rewarded for this. All I would say is, I know you're not a fan of The Walking Dead, Grace, but I've, this has Glen Ray under a dumpster written all yeah. over it. I didn't buy that he died there. I think we're going to find something at the beginning of this final episode. He'll somehow make it. What happened under the dumpster? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Grace. There's a character called Glen who hid under a dumpster And there was absolutely no way he could escape the zombie horde around him. And yet somehow, unexplained to us, he did.
2: The previous episode ends with him falling off the dumpster and all of these zombies crowding over him and blood spurted out. But it turned out that there was another body on top of him and it was that person's blood and he was able to crawl underneath the dumpster. Before we go on to talk a bit more about Kendall, because I do want to focus on him in this episode first. I think we should give fair trigger warning that we are going to be talking about issues of depression and mental health. So if that's not your bag, then we'll pop some time codes in the podcast description and you can skip forward to that point.
3: The one thing that I just wanted to pull up from that final shot is that Logan says to Kendall in that mozzarella dinner party, how long was that kid alive before he started sucking water? And then he said, it's a long time, two minutes. And I thought, I'd just double check how long that shot is at the end from when we arrive at the pool with his kids to the credits. And it's about two minutes long. And I was like, wow, that's, that's very clever writing that. <laughs>
1: I hadn't made those connections,
2: yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of foreshadowing, I think, in that conversation that they have. They talk about death quite a lot. It's been brought up a few times in the episodes leading up to this. Of oh, says so there's that podcast. I mean, who in their right mind would get on a podcast?
1: I thought what was really interesting about Logan and Kendall's dinner, it was Kendall is most vulnerable and is most honest when he was saying... I just want out. I want to leave this. And Logan was absolutely brutal at all points, particularly bringing up the waiter. As Logan said, it's a fight for a knife in the mud. It's something that Kendall clearly doesn't want to be part of. He wants to sell up his shares and just lead a happy life.
3: When he said, I want out. I mean, Adam, you said in the last episode when he gets offered the two bill and you were like, yes, Kendall, do that. Go and be happy. When he sat at the dinner and he says I want out I had a little cheer yes thank you it's happening this is amazing but then like you say Neil it felt like it was his final hand to play it was his final card he had nothing left he just had to get out the language in that scene was really quite violent and Kendall saying I'm a ghost it was so much foreshadowing and I know we compare it to Shakespeare all the time but that scene with them was next level incredible kind of Shakespearean feel to it
2: yeah, he has the line, I'll be broken when you die, talking about Logan. And then when he offers to be bought out and to leave and disappear, he says, I won't even speak at your memorial. So so much to talk about death in that conversation. But he
0: also says to Logan, I want out. You won because you're corrupt and the world is corrupt and I'm better than you. When he first arrives, he talks to his mum and she says something like, Good me, did you just come back from the front because of his skinhead? And he says that he's just stripping down. And I think there's an element, I know we are talking about the mental health, but it's almost as if he's got some PTSD from all of this. He can't really function in the world anymore. If this is the end of him, then that, that was it. Those last chances were he was looking desperately for his children constantly. He had that face-off in the garden which was horrible with the Pixie King standing ironically as a bouncer in the (laughs) garden rather than in front of the treehouse. I found it really tragic. As I said previously in one of my voice notes, I'm not a big fan of Kendall. I think he's a bit of a bell end, but I did feel for him in this episode.
1: I think that last shot at the end of the dinner party once Logan left, showed Kendall in a really vulnerable light, very, very much alone with his mother. He was kind of left in a really shaky place. And Peter said, Kendall liked the mint cake, very condescending, And Logan was just really vile to him. When he brings up the weights, he's like, are you queer? Did you try and fuck him? I cleaned up your shit and I'm a bad person. That is absolutely brutal
2: and vile. I think all Kendall's holding on to is this thing of him being a good person. He said, I thought I was a knight on horseback. He says in a couple of moments, I'm not you, I'm a good guy. And then Logan takes that away from him with all of that stuff you just said, Neil. He strips away Kendall's last positive thing that he feels about himself.
3: If Kendall doesn't survive, the last words that Logan said to his son is, Fuck off, kiddo. Good night. I wonder if those final words are going to haunt him in some way.
1: I don't see Logan changing. I don't see that as a redemptive arc. I do think it's an extremely sad situation, but that's also why I don't think Kendall is going to die yet. I think there's so much more still to come. We still saw that security bounce guy hanging around who covered up the waiter's death. I think there's a lot more still to come, which is why I don't think he's died.
0: One of the things I thought really interesting was that he made sure that Logan's food was correct for his dietary needs. He'd done all these things. He, even though as fractious as that relationship is, and at the impasse, he still tried to make sure that his his dietary needs were catered for, and what does he do? He sits down and he calls his son out, who he hit, what, in the first season, the second season, punched in the face at Christmas, and then made him his food taster, Iverson, just there. Well, I don't care if Iverson dies, do you?
2: (laughs) I thought we got a really good insight to Logan during the conversation between Shiv and her mum, when her mum says Logan never saw anything he loved, that he didn't want to kick it, just to see if it would still come back. That sentence just makes so much sense with everything that Logan does. I feel like Logan still wanted Kendall to be his successor, that he has just wanted to push him and push him to see how much stronger he would be when he came back. And I think that that is going to have backfired because I personally do think he has expired. Yeah.
1: When they had this meeting and you had Shiv coming in on voice, everyone else was there in person, apart from Kendall. And then Kendall came in on voice unexpectedly. And I was actually a bit disappointed about that because I expected one of these really exciting, anxious meetings that they have in the boardroom and to have these two voices putting in and also you've got logan watching outside and yet again they're like should we make a note that he's watching this and i expected a really dramatic meeting which we didn't get i was really disappointed by that
0: when frank was going on saying who was online or on the phone should i say and he said that kendall wasn't able to make it because he wasn't well And Kendall said, that's not true.
2: They're going to talk about the investigation. So Kendall and Logan are recused from that conversation. Frank mutes phone so Kendall can't hear what's going on. And Logan is not allowed in the meeting, but he's literally standing there outside this glass door watching them all.
0: I really enjoyed Sandy's line. Is he going to watch? I feel like I'm taking a shit in the Guggenheim, which I enjoyed very much. (laughs)
3: I can't help but compare it to that iconic board meeting in season one, The Vote of No Confidence, when Logan won't leave, won't go and stand outside. He refuses to. And Kendall's running down Broadway with the phone. What I liked, I know that maybe there was, like you were saying, a missed opportunity in terms of the tension of that meeting, but I quite liked Again, succession playing with our expectations and being like, you might expect that, but actually what we're going to do is the opposite of what you saw before, and we're going to head off to a wedding. The comparison between those two board meetings was quite telling, I think.
2: I did enjoy Logan and Sandy's welcome, the least sincere set of lines in the history of television.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, oh, I hear your father's doing better. I'm so glad to hear you. Yes,
2: I'm so pleased to be here. It's just the least sincere dialogue ever, ever delivered. So props to them. I also enjoyed Sandy and Stewie. We weren't told about this Matson Gojo deal. What if he starts micro dosing and tweeting about angels again? And Logan's like, well, OK, if you don't like it, we'll kill it. Oh, oh no, no, no. We, we, we didn't say that. Well, shut the fuck up,
1: then.
2: <laughs> but it is still a
1: fucking ambush. They're all so scared at this point early on in the episode about what Matson could do and then obviously we see various things that he does i also loved roman when they asked about i think it was sandy with an eye asked about shiv and he went oh no this is just the inner circle all the sibling politics are still there
2: let's talk about roman and shiv because there's definitely some furthering of the conflict between the two of them shiv starts this episode in bed She's not going to the board meeting. She says she's not feeling well. Tom says, maybe you don't have to go to the wedding. And she's like, yeah, no, of course I've got to go to the wedding. And we talked last week about how Shiv was at a low ebb at the end of the last episode. And that has definitely carried on. She takes quite a journey in this episode, I think. We get another bit of conflict between Shiv and Roman on the plane. He says, I can't fire you yet as I'm still a little bit scared of you, but threatens to make her his sexy secretary when he's in charge. She says, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he says, it's an ongoing process. And I think both of those things are really foreshadowing what we're going to get later on. There's quite a few comments throughout the episode about Roman's fucked upness, for want of a better word. And that, of course, obviously explodes towards the end.
1: Roman's state of mind is very much explored in all this. Roman is very concerned about his new stepdad. He's done a fuckload of research on Peter, and that obviously develops as he talks to his mom and he talks to his siblings. And it does seem like none of the other siblings have the same amount of concern about peter that roman does
3: he lost out in a salmon smoking industry and he lost his house in pimlico so we should all feel a bit sorry for him (laughs) (laughs) i think with roman what i picked up was no one was doing what he wanted And no one was really listening to him. Shiv on the plane was basically just being like, I don't fucking care, fuck off. His mum was like, it's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. I'm the kind of big girl. I can handle it. And Jerry, obviously, saying, you know, you've got to stop sending me those dick pics. And he called her, you're being particularly minxy, which was just vile in every way. But I think no one was doing what he wanted. And so I felt like he got to the point where he just bulldozed through and that's how we ended up at the
0: end with him. What's interesting is the Pandora's box was opened and it was full of dicks, right? <laughs> that, that's what we found out, right? I think he was wearing Calvin's. It's not where my eyes were drawn, <laughs> but I'm almost certain he was wearing Calvin's. <laughs> Did you pause it, David, and have a good look? No, I I, I really didn't, but it was quite an arresting image, wouldn't you say? I was impressed. I didn't think he would be that fortunate, let's put it that way.
1: What, you don't want to see pics of his dick? It's
0: not my style, really. I mean, fair play to those who are interested in seeing a Culkin penis, but for me, I'll pass.
1: I thought the whole Jerry thing was really interesting because she has said many times, I don't think this is appropriate, Roman, but she's been in a difficult situation because if he's not her boss, he is potentially the heir. And so she's been trying to play things very cleverly. And yet, after (laughs) Roman accidentally sends his dick pic to his dad and Logan becomes aware of what's going on and he's obviously not happy about it that puts Jerry in a really difficult situation and as this conversation with Shiv it's either you oust Roman for sexual harassment or you don't in which case you'll be seen as playing along with all of this. So she's now found herself between a rock and a hard place. There's no way she can get out of this.
2: I think this goes back to what I was saying about Shiv's journey, because ultimately at the end of the episode, she's either going to get rid of Roman or Jerry. One of them is going to fall for this. It does make me a little bit scared about my gambling of my points, because although Jerry's still CEO at the end of this episode, Maybe not by the end of the next one. Jerry's obviously got her date, Laurie, at the wedding. Roman's finding that difficult to deal with as well. But it was so brilliant, this moment of him delivering at the board meeting, getting a text from Jerry that said, well done, Roman, taking the dick pic. Hold on, he didn't take the dick pic. He already had the dick pic. It was from his vault. Anyway, when he sent the text, I saw at the top of it, it said... Logan Roy. And I was like, did he just send that to his dad? But then the next few seconds of footage were just some of the best things I've ever seen on TV. Him waiting for Jerry to get the text, it not coming, Logan's phone beeping, and then the look on his face. And then When Logan storms out, I mean, Kieran Culkin, ultimate respect, because it was just superb. But the whole fallout of that, Shiv is straight in there, feeding Logan, yes, this is what's happening. Roman's got issues. She tells Logan all about Jerry and his track record on all of this stuff. I've got two things to posit. Number
0: one, I think it's outrageous the way they talked about Jerry. I mean, Jerry looks fantastic. She had a new do. She dressed very nicely at the wedding. She was having a great time. I thought that was completely unnecessary. Jerry's hot. There's no doubt about it. And number two, I think Shiv overplayed her hand there with Logan. Maybe not with them trying to manipulate Jerry, but I think just at the end, she overplayed it with Logan.
3: With Logan. I don't think Shiv cares as much anymore. When it all unraveled, she must have thought, fucking finally. Finally, he's not going to get away with this anymore. He's not. We're not going to forgive him for all of his crude, sexist remarks because he's literally sent a picture of his dick to his dad. He's just not going to get away with it. And I had an inner cheer at that point. I just thought, yes, finally, a little a little bit of Roman discipline is coming his way. And it's so overdue.
1: I loved how unapologetic he was. Yeah, fuck it. People send kicks. that's what people do. That meeting between him and his dad ended up with his dad clearly not being very happy about things. Roman absolutely just went, yeah, fuck it, I did it. I think with all of the siblings, the, it's not that they don't care anymore. I think all of them feel like they've got nothing to lose.
2: His dad's reaction, are you a sicko? What interests you in Jerry? She's a million years old. It's fucking disgusting. You're a laughing stock. I think it does hurt Roman quite a bit. But what I found really interesting was Logan saying, we probably invented the dick pic. We probably invented the fucking words, the dick pic. They probably brought it into mainstream consciousness and made it a thing that people did. And now his son is doing it and fucking everything up
3: he said to logan yeah yeah i sent it whatever but he could not tell his dad why he sent it he can't formulate why they get sent that was two levels down for roman in terms of analyzing it and probably he doesn't want
2: to let's talk about shiv a little bit more because we've started down that road and we've covered the start and the end of her journey but not really the middle bit so she has a conversation with her mum Again, Roman twists it so that she has to go on this bachelorette party. And this really fascinating conversation, I thought, which gave a lot in terms of that relationship with the mother. and She gave up custody so that the kids could have their shares. They basically have no relationship between them, Shiv and her mother. They call each other their fucking onions. And it's this conversation that makes Shiv decide that maybe, maybe she wants to be a mother.
1: Mother says, truth is, I should never have had children. I should have had dogs. You made the right decision. And then she decides that she does want to have a baby. But why is that? Is that some achievement to kind of prove her mother wrong? She's obviously using Tom. Like, do anything to me. And then... I mean, the mind game to Tom, like she says, you want me even though I don't want you. And Tom wants to be a sexy fireman, but he feels that Shiv doesn't love him. Shiv wants him to freeze his sperm. She's clearly done quite a bit of research into this. And then eventually she says, I may not love you, but I love you.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was the worst dirty talk I've ever heard.
1: How much dirty talk have you heard, Grace? (laughs) Cut that bit, Adam.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that the conversation with her mum was so sad to listen to. It was really sad. And I think her mum saying that you were a piece of work at 13 no 13-year-old is a piece of work, really. I mean, not it's not their fault if they're like that. And I think her mum blames her, and obviously Logan blames Kendall for how he's turned out. These parents, honest to God, they are not taking any responsibility for their children. I think her deciding to have a baby, we say have a baby, make some embryos and put them on ice for 10 years, let's see. Two and a half Olympics, I think it was a fuck you to her mum. I think it was like, I'm not going to be like you. Basically.
0: Yeah, I think also the fact that she has all that information about freezing embryos and baby popsicles She if someone's like, Well, do you know what? Down the line, I am going to probably need to think about this. So she's probably looked this up long in advance and she just has all this information ready. We talk about obviously the relationship with Tom and the clusterfuck that is. Tom is very much a right, this is what I need. This is my route. So Tom is the right person for this because he's not going to outshine me. I don't have to worry about him, but he has enough credibility and enough good looking jeans. should I need to procreate with him.
2: I have to say, I think Shiv did look fucking hot in this episode.
0: That dress a knockout punch,
3: wasn't it? Wow. I love everything Shiv wears, but this episode was particularly good. Dama, I think that Shiv is a woman who keeps her options open and Tom is a man who likes one A to B road.
2: It was horrible. The, the fantasy talk was actually really the reality of their situation. You know, tell me something that's going to hurt me and you're not good enough for me. And I don't love you. The trouble with that sexy talk is that you still have to look at each other in the morning. And bless Tom, feeling the afterburn, was thinking more love beats. What
0: happens in Sex Vegas, right? <laughs> what a line. What a line. The bit I really like was just before that, when just when she decided, yeah, let's have a baby. And she said, right, we're going to destroy ATN, raise it to the ground. And Tom says, Except me. And there's just a little pause and she goes, well, well yeah, yes, except you, I guess. He <laughs> is so dispensable. I just want to talk a little bit more about Shiv's conversation with her mum, played by the legend that is Harriet Walter. She had some absolute gems. Well Shiv called a scary poppins at one point, which I really enjoyed. Watch out, Scary Poppins is on the move.
2: On manoeuvres.
0: Oh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite ones, I think Roman said that he was such a, a posh boy with his lime green chinos. She says he's not posh. His father's a doctor. He bought all his own furniture. He's a grasping little scholarship boy. She gave him the full Michael Heseltine. Unbelievable. There was another one that I really loved. Oh, the skunk, the porcupine and the concubine.
2: Which was about Logan, Marsha and Kerry, his assistant, wasn't it? I thought that was... I mean, the skunk, the porcupine and the concubine should be the name of a band or a book or something.
0: (laughs) Definitely. They were talking about The Bachelorette. Caroline says, I hope you don't mind coming or did you enjoy The Bachelorette? And they were talking about Peter's daughters. And Shiv says, oh, yeah, they said that they wanted to take a picture of me, but what they did was they exported my contact book. So do you like Peter's daughters? They're both interior designers. Pause. Unemployed.
2: <laughs> Just fucking slaying every line. Let's move on to Matson. We find out right at the top of the episode that the price of Gojo is going up. And then we're at the wedding and these tweets start appearing with Matson going nut nut. According to Kendall, as a tweet that says "going to Macau, feeling lucky," and that by doing this, what Matson's doing is increasing the value of his company to the point where Shiv says they're actually pretty close to our share price.
1: I thought it was really interesting thinking about modern politics at the moment. I think I'm quoting this, maybe not exactly word for word, but Macron in France and what Boris Johnson, basically he tweeted his stance on their conversation and Macron said, we don't deal with tweets as part of negotiations. And then he cancelled Priti Patel, our home secretary, to turn up. And so I think the whole thing about communicating via social media, I felt really relevant.
2: And Matson plays this game. So Roman has to get his chopper over to wherever Matson is. And they have this conversation. He's such a weird guy success doesn't interest me as much as failure, or as much failure as possible as fast as possible, giving the impression that he doesn't really give a shit. But we had that recap at the beginning of the episode, which covered Kendall saying, you should buy my dad, not the other way round. And what he's angling for is this merger of equals. I
1: think that's really interesting. Before we get into the merger of equals, we got Roman meeting Madison. I wasn't convinced initially when Grace was suggesting... Roman had a homosexual or bisexual leaning in the same way that the conversation in the toilets in the last episode, I found this quite homo erotic. Roman's meeting with Matson is this potentially the start of a relationship? Matson says, success doesn't interest me anymore. That's just too easy. Failure is interesting. And then he says, I get way too into people. And then they disappoint me. And then he says, I like getting into bed with people, but I like to share it equally.
3: I felt that too. When he goes, tell me the thing that you're worst at. And we know, you know, the thing that Roman is worst at is intimacy. And he was, I'm never going to tell you that ever. Lots of unsaid things in that moment.
1: There's a lot of depth to pummel there. It depends on where they want to go down that line.
2: Logan describes him as, uh, I'll ask whether he's a Twitter panty flasher, and I also enjoyed in that conversation, Roman saying, we could still be the puppy fuckers here.
0: (laughs) What a phrase. I quite enjoyed puppy fuckers. It reminded me of something that Siobhan Sharp would have said from W1A, paid by the legendary Jessica Hines, if any of you ever watched that, or 2012. That like real business lingo bullshit made me laugh. I'm going to have to rewatch that now. Now I've remembered that BAFTA winning performance.
2: In normal circumstances, a proposal of marriage in an episode would be quite a big talking point. But here it is in our footnotes. I was blindsided by this. I was sure that Connor was breaking up with Willer at this moment. There's a Politico reporter digging around, wanting to know Willa's employment history, and Connor approaches her and says, this is not going away and I need to think about my future. He says, maybe
0: the two-party system isn't as rotten as it looks, but I have to plan for success. Will you make me the happiest man slash most bulletproof candidate in the whole world? How
3: could you possibly say no to that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is Willa, to an extent, a bit of a trophy bride. Has he ever really valued her? Right now, when he's proposing to her, it's he wants her to, to make him the happiest man alive, but he also wants for her to help him become president. He clearly has, well, certainly no idea of romance.
2: Well, I think he has a bit more than she does, in a way. I feel that he genuinely does really love Willa as much as those children are capable of it. He finances her production, what greater love can there be? I think it's more a case of
0: Connor does whatever Connor loves, and Connor loves himself the most. I think having Willa makes him more interesting. It's like those people who are not even remotely creative, but love to have one or two creative friends. They're like, yeah, I move in such a bohemian set, even though they don't. And I feel that that's very much Connor's vibe. And because he's an outsider, that helps him because he's an artist, he's bohemian. He's not like everyone else in his family. He's a man of the people. Even though, and I quote, he met a pope, a couple of popes back with his dad. And he was a real full fat pope, complete pope, very religious. And that's what you want from a pope, really. Let's be <laughs> honest. Which pope do we think it was he met? JP? Ratzinger? It's got to be Benedict, right? You know a lot of popes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, when you raise Roman Catholic, it's hard not to know them.
2: I can see Willa as arm candy, but I'm not sure that she's necessarily a trophy wife. They met when she was an escort. I think he fell in love with her and just kept wanting her to be his escort to the point where they were then in a relationship.
1: Even so, it's arm candy. He doesn't give her any respect
3: for the woman in the room, I'd just to say, she's also a playwright, so put that out
1: there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: absolutely, of course. And she also has a great knowledge of Italy. Italy, pizza, pasta and popes. I mean, what else do you need to know about this phenomenal country with this great cuisine and history?
1: That's it, the three Ps. Based on what we've just been saying, she says yes. What's your reaction to that?
3: The word yes comes out of her mouth, but does she really... Oh, God, I don't know. I want her to be free more than anything in the world. I'm interested, like, what's in it for her? Money, I guess. Being the first lady, talking about the Trump thing, which we have a couple of times, Melania,
0: what's in it for her? It's such a depressing situation. So pretty grim. I think just like Melania, Catherine Ryan that said, look at Melania, she's just a gold digger and everything suddenly went wrong. She married someone who was supposed to just be quiet and suddenly he became president and she became first lady when she didn't want to be.
1: Do you think Willa actually loves
2: Connor?
3: No, she literally recoils at his touch.
2: 100%.
3: (laughs) Does not love him
2: at all. I think he loves her. Yeah, in his way. And I think Connor is the nicest of the Roys.
3: He's almost the most naive of them. And yeah. that's why you like him because you think, well, he's kind of harmless. But that's what we thought about Trump.
2: So, even more heartbreaking than Connor and Willa was our hopes for Greg's great romance. Although there's a kiss on the cheek, which raises those hopes, pretty soon he's asking whether there's any depth there.
3: But he's playing the dating ladder, he's going to go far. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, it was a man who was dying for water and suddenly a mineral water critic, right? The fact that he listened
1: to that, really bad advice, and tried to climb a rung on that ladder. I, I think it just shows how, I guess, naive Greg is. I mean, I want to come to Comfrey in a second, and he's happy to dump her for this new person just to rise up on this dating ladder.
3: It's got to be one of the best chat lines in all of history, right? Oh, I know fermented yoghurt. It's such a gut-cleansing
0: treat.
2: I think he's got a chance with the Contessa, though. I mean, we put a man on the moon. (laughs) Did we,
0: though? I don't think Connor believes we did.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. I
1: mean, Greg is really comfortable just ditching Comfrey for this new girl. There's no romance in all of this. It's
2: just games. I don't think he wanted to be the other man in Comfrey's life or the other person or thing in Comfrey's life because clearly the phone thing is the most important thing to Comfrey.
3: I just think Greg's dating around is just making him feel quite good about himself. And even though he's being taken down constantly, I feel like his self-esteem is getting a, a bit higher and you know, he's just enjoying himself, you know, play the field a little bit.
1: I think there's a few things to mention about Greg and Comfrey. The first one being that Comfrey mentions the caterer at his wedding, so therefore sets things up for later on. Also, as a gardener, Comfrey is a weed that grows quite prolifically, takes over a garden. It's also very good fertilizer. I've put a load of comfrey leaves into a bottle and added some water but it smells like shit. And I kind of feel like, I mean, I don't know if any of you have, 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 have made comfrey fertiliser, but it smells awful. I mean, it really is horrendous. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's very deliberate that, that character's been given that name. I also want to comment on the fact that Shiv, with Tom by his side, talks about that Greg is very much punching above his weight. I don't see this relationship being a good thing like i say the plant version of comfrey smells awful
0: i just want to say listeners i had my booster jab earlier today and briefly i wasn't sure if i was having a fever dream there when neil started talking about comfrey
1: leaves <laughs> do you research it's true comfrey leaves smell like shit <laughs> it's like really
3: like poor man's garden as well. <laughs>
1: And just for the record, other leaves are available. <laughs> Nettles don't smell as bad. I'm just saying.
3: Stop pushing we'll we'll your capital
1: nettle for- agenda.
3: We'll look out for a character called Nettle then, shall
2: we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk CEO business. So I'm still way ahead because Jerry is still CEO. Grace has now leveled with Neil on four points, having predicted Jerry at the end of the last episode. So it's all to play for in the final episode, exactly where we want to be. I say we give Damo four points, the same as Neil and Grace. So he's on a, on a level playing field. Oh,
0: I'm not sure how I feel about this, Adam. I'm absolutely outraged. <laughs>
3: I have those four (laughs) points fair and square no he can have them I don't care I don't
0: want pity points I
2: want to earn my points so I'm stuck with Jerry like it or not and as likely as it is that she'll be CEO by the end of the next episode which I think is not looking good that is who I have gone with. So I'm stuck with Jerry, and I think we're going to go with, let's go with Neil first this time round.
1: I'm stuck between two
2: and it's Logan or Shiv and I'm going to go Logan.
3: I can still win.
2: Yeah, even if you pick Logan and it is Logan, you and Neil are joint winners.
3: I'll see you at the top then Neil, I'll pick Logan. Oh, this feels tough
0: going straight into the final. My only worry about picking Logan is Is that I could become the Pan American blockbuster dial up corporation. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth once was and will remain so. Team Shiv.
2: There we go. We have it. That's it for the finale. May the best TV DNA podcast host win. Lines of the episode Demo. I'm not used to
0: negotiating via eggplant. Mine is, and you've said it already,
3: Adam, but I think he never saw anything he loved and didn't want to kick to see if it would come back. Amazing.
1: I don't think it's an amazing line, but I do love, you've won because you're corrupt and so is the West
2: of the world. So mine comes when Logan is telling Roman what Peter Onions has just asked him. He wants me to get the dipshits in Downing Street to make him Lord fucking seat sniffer pantyhose. (laughs) Any final predictions, thoughts, hopes, worries about next week's final episode of the season? Neil Shefek.
1: It's going to be amazing. We're obviously going to find out about Kendall's future. I absolutely cannot wait. My
0: worry is, is that the men's club will win again and the only way Shiv can win is by doing over another woman. That's my worry. That's valid.
2: My expectation is a funeral. My hope is maybe a bit more Marsha and that we've not had much of her since the beginning of the season and we do have a Logan and Kerry plotline. I feel like there's maybe some resolution potential there.
3: My expectation is some heartbreak and my hope is that Greg drives off into the sunset with his granddad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the title for the episode is out. Do we want to mention it or not?
2: Oh, Dana, we've never looked at the episode title beforehand, but give it to us, please. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's yeah, yeah. The title of the episode is All the Bells Say. That suggests a funeral to me. But is it? The funeral of Kendall Roy, or is it the funeral
2: of Logan as the head of Waystar Royco?
3: Or is it their mum's wedding? Because we haven't actually seen that yet.
2: Great. So next week, the finale of Succession. It's been an incredible season, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm sure we all are. But let's talk now about what else we've been watching.
1: Neil? I have been following up on Doctor Who, and as a big Doctor Who fan, I have to say that what I've been watching has been... Very confusing. Mm -hmm and yes satisfying at the same time there's been great production values it's been looking at the end of the universe as Doctor Who regularly does and there's been multi Doctors they've been trying to play with different Doctors turning up at different times which again they've done before but not necessarily the same Doctor any listeners that are Doctor Who fans I've got to say I'm disappointed with what I've been watching it's not going to Stop me watching it, but it's not great. Well,
3: just my condolences, Neil. <laughs> Isn't the bloke who originally made it good coming back again soon?
1: Yeah, I mean that's very promising. Russell T Davis is coming back, and I find it really sad the Jelly Whitaker has, well, based on social media, not succeeded in being the first female doctor and being exciting and keeping viewers i do find that extremely sad but maybe it's something that needs to be acknowledged and dealt with so who knows who the next doctor will be
2: from what i the brief amount that i saw i don't think jodie whittaker was the problem i think she's brilliant
0: yeah absolute legend jodie whittaker i heard that maybe just from what i've picked up in previous episodes this podcast that Maybe Idris Elba was going to be. Or was it Daniel Craig
1: was going to be <laughs> the next Doctor? I don't think it would be either of those. But yeah, great if it was.
3: Never say never, guys. Yeah. Never. Never.
2: <laughs> never say it. What about you, Grace? What have you been watching?
3: Strictly again. And. Sorry. Um,
2: Damien's on this week. We can't. We can't do reality TV.
3: <laughs> well, I'm going to do it. So. And Tiger <laughs> King. I'm just going to keep talking.
1: Yeah, I think, Grace, you've earned your stripes. You can talk about whatever you want to. I also have been watching Strictly. Who do you think is going to win?
3: So I think, well, it's either going to be John and Johannes, Rose and Giovanni. That's going to be in the final. I was disappointed with AJ and Kai's performance. I know uh, Adam and Damien, not so interested, but there were some pretty dodgy lifts on Saturday that honestly, really bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was not pleasant to watch for live TV. No um, one likes a yeah.
1: dodgy lift.
3: Like, no. no. Or... <laughs> well, God, it was all over the place.
0: <laughs> oh God, should I just go? No, carry on. I'm just in a silly mood because of my jab. <laughs> Side effect, silly
3: mood. Yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, it's just such a cosy way to just have a weekend. So yeah, that's it. Strictly in succession. You know me.
2: demo. Watching any TV?
0: Not much. I just got PlayStation, so I haven't been watching much TV. I managed to catch a couple more episodes of Narcos Mexico, which is still brilliant. And Adam, after you put me onto Dope Sick, that is an unbelievably great show. And the thing that I find most crazy is Will Poulter's physique. My goodness me, that guy has worked out a lot. This is me there eating crisps. I'll never, ever look like that in my life. Where can I watch this? Uh,
2: yeah. yeah, it's available on Disney Plus. But I felt like the most recent episode. Are you up to date, Damo? Uh
0: Yes, episode
2: five. Watched yeah. it was another level. I mean, this really ramping up the drama and the stress and almost the pain that these people are going through. I'm really enjoying it. And I've settled into the time jumps and the different periods. I do think in order to have told this story in the way that they're telling it, with the different characters and storylines, it had to be these different periods of time that they started, just because that's when those characters joined that story. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And I think also Michael Keaton is unbelievable. He's so good in this too. I think it's, it's a great cast, Grace. So even, even beyond seeing Will Porter walking around in his pants, I think you'll still enjoy it.
3: I've I've got to make a call. I've got to watch either The Leftovers or Dope Sick. I can, only, I can only manage one at one
0: time. So which do you think I should go for? If you want eye candy and being outraged at the American medical system, Dope Sick. Do I? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've got to say, if it's a choice between the two, Grace, I'd rather you watch Leftovers. Dope Six only got five episodes out at the moment. You'll burn through that really quickly. So okay.
3: Right.
2: Leftovers for me.
3: That was really helpful.
2: Thanks. <laughs> I promised I was going to talk about the Leftovers. I've been banging on about it for about the last seven weeks. I have finished Hellbound. And can highly recommend, really great, six episodes worth a watch. I'm also continuing to watch Cowboy Bebop and Hawkeye. And they're both huge amounts of fun. Um, So those three are big, strong recommends from me. But last week, we talked about Yellow Jackets, which has come to Now TV. The first two episodes have been released. And this was the story of the all-female high school soccer team that crash lands in the Canadian wilderness... And the story takes place in the lead-up to that crash in 1996. And also, 25 years later, we follow four of the girls from that crash as adults. And there are also some really disturbing scenes from the end of their period in the wilderness, which we're obviously going to learn about how they got to those moments as the series progresses. I'm really enjoying it. Obviously, there's elements of lost in there with a plane crash and in the middle of nowhere and the survival that they all have to go through. But the actors playing the adults in the later scenes, I mean, you've got Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, you've got Tawny Cypress, who was Simone in Heroes. A really, really brilliant bunch of actors doing that stuff. And that is all full of intrigue as well. So there's kind of lots of different stuff going on. I can highly recommend Yellow Jackets. very well made. The young cast are also really, really good. There's a lot going on in those first two episodes. There's a lot of characters and I could see this being set up for a multi-season thing similarly to Lost in that you could explore different girls journeys through the survival period. I'm enjoying it I'm looking forward to more of Yellow Jackets.
1: Something that I mentioned last week you don't need me which is BBC's big thing for Sunday night so absolutely primetime viewing it was really interesting to watch it. I've got to say I'm really disappointed by it. It's, it's from the same creator as Vigil. It is about a car salesman who has been accused of killing a guy and he has put the blame onto an ex-girlfriend and we go into all sorts of th- the background of that relationship and he cooks a carbonara for her. He does it 42 times to make sure it's absolutely perfect. And there's a real element of obsession with making sure everything's right, which sits uncomfortably with me. And there's a lot of exposition.
0: Now, how many rancid radishes would you give out of one to five?
1: Not a lot. A full integer would be useful. It's so far, I'll be quite honest, I think I don't even deserves two rancid radishes.
0: I guess we're looking at one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We've been working our way down the top 100 shows of the 21st century, of the BBC Culture 100 list, and we're now down to number 61 to 70. I'm going to run through the list, and then you're going to tell me whether there's anything you particularly loved or anything that you might want to watch. Number 61, Avatar, The Last Airbender. It's an animated American show. Number 62, Joint 62nd, in fact. The Good Place, an American fantasy comedy with Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. And Pose, Emmy Award-nominated Pose. 64, The Detectorists. 65, Orange is the New Black. 66, another Emmy Award-nominated show, Mayor of Easttown. 67, RuPaul's Drag Race. 68, Stranger Things. 69, 24. And 70, Battlestar Galactica.
3: I just want to kick Australia away and say I've watched a lot of RuPaul. <laughs> uh, and it's brought me a lot of joy in my life. 13 American seasons, two UK seasons, a Canada season. I believe there's Australia. I've lost count I have recently stopped watching for various reasons I think I'm a bit saturated by it but it has been a joy and a pleasure up to this point if any of us would have seen RuPaul it was going to have been me wasn't it and then the only other one that stood out to me was oh yeah I've seen I've seen all of Stranger Things again I think that first series is incredible really like boundary pushing then it kind of got became a bit of a parody of itself I like season three, but I did enjoy it. And then the only other one is Orange is the New Black. I think I watched the first season of that, but I haven't seen a lot of them. So I think I'm starting to trail off on this list a little bit.
0: Oh, quickly, here's some bullet points Orange is the New Black. I didn't get more than about three or four series into it, but I did enjoy it. Good Place, Brilliant, by the same megs as Parks and Recs in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Dan Schur, I think his name is, and 24. I think 24 is one of those shows. Brilliant first time watches, second time, nothing in it. That's the only problem I found with 24. No point in rewatching
2: it. But 24, the excitement factor for that Thriller Minute stuff, especially in that first season, I thought 24 was exceptional. It was groundbreaking. I'm a huge Kiefer Sutherland fan from the Young Guns and Flatliners days. Okay, yes, there were some filler bits like cougar chases and there was definitely some nonsense going on in some of those seasons. I'm a huge 24 fan.
1: RuPaul's Drag Race, just never connected with it and I kind of want to because I feel like it is a show that I really would enjoy. I absolutely want recommendations of particular episodes for me to watch. Stranger Things, a bit like What Adam said, I watched the first episode and, sorry, first series, and I absolutely loved it. But then I just lost interest. And Orange is the New Black, well, it just didn't connect with me. I I guess that's the common theme between all of these.
2: Definitely wasn't me who said they got bored after the first season of Stranger Things. (laughs) I loved the second season. All the Easter eggs and references right up my street. I'm a huge Stranger Things fan and I can't wait for the new season of Stranger Things, which is coming next year, 2022. No particular release date yet, but I'm aware of. Now the one you've not mentioned, and I assume none of you have ever seen Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, I think is, is a fantastic show. Obviously it was a big show back in the day. The reboot of Battlestar Galactica is incredibly clever. The Cylons have been able to appear like humans. And so there are all these different storylines where you don't know whether the person you're speaking to, for all I know, the three of you could be Cylons. And you could be part of a Cylon plot to infiltrate the world of podcasts. And I've fallen prey to that. It's who can you trust stuff at the highest intergalactic level. And it's brilliant. And I loved it. And I think if you like sci-fi, you ought to go and watch Battlestar Galactica.
1: Are you a Cylon,
0: Davo? I'm not a levity to, uh, to say. That's exactly
2: what a Cylon would say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then needless to say, you'd say the writing is out of this world.
2: Absolutely. I think it's really, really good. It was 2004, the first season, so it may feel a little bit dated now, but I thought it was really, really clever writing. I just want to very quickly say there's a few bits and pieces coming up. So The Landscapers, there's four episodes coming out on Now TV, Now TV or Sky. It's Olivia Colman and David Thewlis. They're a devoted and mild-mannered couple who decide to kill one of their parents, and it's based on a true story. Sounds really interesting. So if you're an Olivia Colman fan... Check that one out. And also, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more next week, but there is a show called Station Eleven coming out on the 16th of December. I've read the book of that, and it's really, really good. I'll tell you more next week. And The Witcher Season 2, also the week after this one. But if you're looking forward to something, or if you've watched Battlestar Galactica and you agree, or if you're a Cylon, then get in touch with us, and you can do that. Should we do one social media platform each?
3: That sounds really exciting. Let's do that.
2: Okay, Grace, you go first.
3: You can get in touch with us on Instagram at Pod.
0: You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at TVDNApod.
2: You can search for us on Facebook by typing TV space DNA into the search bar. For what's left? Or you can email us. At? It's <laughs> a bit
0: before the app.
2: <laughs> yeah, TVDNApod at gmail.com.
0: Hashtag neil does the socials.
2: Yeah. Fab. Well, there we go. That's how you can contact us.
1: But I am playing a game. I am on just I playing know. a
2: game. It's not so just incompetence. I know. Well, oh, right. yeah. we don't know that, to be fair. What Silon would say. Uh, it's, it's exactly what Silon would say. What else could people do though if they wanted to support the podcast? Tell a friend. Do give us a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. it will help us to spread the word and get more listeners.
0: Well, I was also going to say, notice that we picked up some new listeners in Dubai, Colombia, and Russia. Shout out to Russia. Uh, big time. So, shukran, gracias, and spasiba. Thank you very much for the love. And apart from Russia, I cannot even begin to pronounce, we still appreciate your listens. Damo, it's been such a joy having you back on the podcast. It's been great to be back. I've really enjoyed the three of you talking about Succession.
2: So looking forward to the finale. Yeah, we'll be back for an extra special episode. Then it's time to say goodbye.
0: Bye. Bye. Adios.
3: What happened under the... under the, oh, they Excuse me. Were well,
1: you not there, Grace?
3: <laughs> what happened under... I can't get
0: it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah. <laughs> it was um, a nice ruming couplet you gave there though, Adam. So that's good. Did I? Yeah, backfired and expired. Oh, that was totally
2: unintentional. Has <laughs> anyone got anything more on Kendall before I move us on?
3: Uh no, sorry, that was such a that was such an X factor pause. We'll cut that. <laughs> I understand it.
1: I was waiting for where you were going with yeah. that. Yeah,
3: I thought you going to say just, the lines.
2: Just, no, I don't. I didn't write those ones down, but um, anyway. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't particularly good lines. Don't laugh about hard place, Damo. <laughs> I can see you.
1: <laughs> the viewers may not. What can you see? Uh, <laughs> Damo the school kid was giggling at me saying hard place. I, I was going to let you finish, Adam. That's very so kind of you, Damo. Thank you. I,
0: I see you, Adam. I see you giggling. Honestly, it's <laughs> like being with a bunch of
3: little boys right now.
1: I can only apologize to my co hosts, Grace. I mean, so, you, I'm a you, born
2: giggler. I don't think you talked about pummeling depths without <laughs> knowing what sort of reaction. Yeah, you knew what you were
0: doing. Oh. <laughs> so, how could people let us know, Neil? <laughs> We're not there yet.